Hey, good morning, church. We have a short message today because most of our time is being spent focusing on the opportunity in front of us to consider our international missions and how we can contribute to that work for 2021. Last week in my sermon, I talked about the opportunities God is giving us right here in Bentonville. As Jesus revealed his will for the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he spoke to them specifically and individually as churches about who they were in their cities and the opportunities that they had in their place and time to follow Jesus, to be found faithful, and to be witnesses for him in the world. And so he speaks that to us as well. As the church in Bentonville, he has a specific calling for us in this city to impact this neighborhood and this town and also to impact the world. So last week we asked some questions like, who would miss our church if it was gone? And do people in our neighborhood like to come into our campus and onto our campus, or is it just an obstacle they have to move around? These are hard questions, but ones that deserve asking because we want to be a church that's for the city. But we also want to be a church that is for the world. And so this week we're putting our prayer and attention and our heartfelt gifts towards our missions work internationally for 2021. And today I've picked a selection uh, of, from Scripture to read and talk about that has to do with the international mission in the world. But it is an unusual reading. It's Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, and I think it's the least recognized verses in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is full of some really interesting stuff. Jesus comes to meet his apostles and is taken up into heaven in a cloud in front of them after they discuss what is to come next. And their expectations seem to have been that the, the neighborhood they lived in, Jerusalem, and the country they lived in, Judea and Galilee, was going to become the seat of world order, that Jesus was going to lead them into being the nation of Israel, to its full boundaries of the land that it was under Kings David and Solomon, and maybe even to fulfill the great prophecies that all the nations would come and worship in Jerusalem at the Lord's temple, the one great city of the world where God's name dwelt. But Jesus has a different plan in mind, and he reveals it to them. Now, the word apocalypse isn't in the reading, but Jesus reveals a plan to them nonetheless that was new and maybe unexpected to them. Jesus says to the apostles, You will be my witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and going to the ends of the earth. And that, in fact, is what they spend the rest of their lives doing. Is not ruling from a seat of power in a new kingdom on earth, but teaching about the true king in all of the nations of the world and being subjected to some pretty powerful people who abuse them throughout their journeys. Now, these apostles get this message from Jesus, and they watch him go up into the sky on a cloud. And this takes us up to our reading in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Again, the most overlooked verses in the chapter. What do you do next? What do you do next? Whenever Jesus has been raised from the dead, 
you've already gone home to go fishing one time when he was crucified. You already threw the towel in one time. And he came back to the lake and he found you and he restored you. And then he spent 40 days among you and continued to teach you. And then right at the last moment tells you, <laughs> your mission is to go throughout the world, not to rule in, in this kingdom here. And then he leaves. What do you do now? What do you do next? You can't go fishing again. You don't want to drag him back out of the sky to come back down and tell you, you know, this isn't about fishing anymore. What do you do next? Well, this is what they do. They step into this space in between one reality. They thought they knew what their futures were, were going to be. And they're moving into this new reality where their future is something different than what they had probably ever expected. And they're on this threshold between two worlds, between two possibilities. They could, after all, quit and go home. I mean, that's not what they should do, but they could. But to quit at this stage would be essentially to, to give up completely on Jesus and his mission, to be out of it. They've been commissioned to go to the world. This is a new reality, a new future. And so they're at this threshold. Let's talk about thresholds for a moment. Have you ever uh, went from a room with a mission through a doorway into another room and then immediately forgot what you had come into the room for? I do this increasingly, alarmingly, increasingly, right? That I do this more and more. Where I'll go from one room into another and I'll forget why I've come into the room and I have to go back through the doorway into the first room so that something will spur my memory and remind me what I was after. Uh, when you move through the doorway into, the, into this other room, you pass through that threshold from one, from one room to the other room. Sometimes uh, we forget or it's not like what we expected. Now, there are other things that happen when we move through thresholds besides just forgetting or becoming uh, distracted. Is that sometimes we stop in a threshold because we're not sure if we want to go into a room or back out. We're not sure if we want the reality that's in front of us or the one that's behind us. We enter a space at different times in life where instead of moving through into the room, we stop. And we ha or maybe we are stopped and we have time where we have to consider what comes next. Examples. Recently, Jenna and I announced the bittersweet, painful decision for us to leave this church and to go to a new work in eastern Pennsylvania. We shared that with you a couple weeks ago. But we stayed on the threshold for quite a while. We were on the threshold for days, considering two futures that were both within our reach, that were both so tangible, so real. Both were a phone call away that we could taste them. You could begin to imagine that you had made the decision and then after a little while suddenly revert into imagining you had made the other decision and thinking about and playing out both of these futures in your mind. Have you ever experienced something like this? Everyone does. At some point, everyone experiences this threshold moment. The word for it is liminality. It comes from the Latin word that means threshold. 
And so this word for the space in between two possible futures is liminality. It's when you come into the threshold and you pause or you are paused. People experience this threshold moment when they are experiencing the promptings of the Holy Spirit to be converted to Jesus Christ and to make the decision to make what they're feeling inside known by obeying Jesus, by proclaiming him as Lord, by accepting his baptism, by making it known that they have given their life to Jesus. People experience the state of liminality. In fact, a lot of preachers spend a lot of their time trying to usher people into that place to get them into the doorway where they have to make a decision about Jesus. A lot of, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to do that. So if you have ever experienced the moment when you were in church, you were in, a, in the pew or in a chair, and, and the preacher said things that stirred your heart, that got your mind thinking about your life, that you wanted Jesus above all else, and you were still a little bit afraid to make the step, to claim him, to get into the water, to let it be known, to pray to him. You were reluctant but willing all at the same time, then you know what it's like to be in the in-between state, the state of liminality, to be in the threshold. And if you have ever married someone and had moments in the week leading up to the wedding where you thought, now, is this the best decision for my life? Do I want to tie myself together to them forever? And it's not that you don't love them, it's that you just question a little, you know, is this the future I really want? Last chance to back out now. If you've ever considered a move around the world or across the country, a job change, if you've ever, if you have ever hovered on the threshold of to buy a house or not to buy a house, uh, even maybe standing in the supermarket and comparing the two kinds of jellies, strawberry jam or Welch's grape, you might find yourself in a, a little small embarrassing moment of liminality. You can't choose the jelly that you want. We have this in serious ways and in small ways, in, in great big ways and in, and in ways that don't seem to matter so much, but it happens to all of us. And when it happens in big ways, life-changing ways, like nothing will ever be the same again, this is what is happening to these apostles in Acts 1.12. Let me read it again. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. Now, it's just a description of their walk, right? But it's not. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, where they saw Jesus in the flesh for the last time in their earthly lives, until the resurrection. They've just said goodbye to him. And they are the ones going home without him. If you've ever gotten together with family for vacation and, uh, and you were the one that gets to leave and go home, you get to be in the role of Jesus. You get to go back home. You know that that's easier than to be the one who's with family in vacation when everyone else leaves. When everyone else leaves and they go home, then you're left back to the normal humdrum of life. These guys have watched him go, and they're returning to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, and their future is not what they thought it was going to be an hour ago. They have entered the threshold. 
What they do next is everything. What they do next is everything. It was about a Sabbath day walk from the city, so very close. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Now we get an interesting um, little biographical note here. We get the names of the apostles, as if we don't already know who they are. But we get their names, we get the names of some other disciples that are with them. Peter was there. You know, Peter, who had gone fishing and Jesus had just restored him. John was there, the one who Jesus loved, who would later at the very end of his life write that final revelation from Jesus Christ. James was there, the brother of John who will become this pillar in the church. And Andrew, Peter's brother, is there. And Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, the former tax collector. And James, son of Alphaeus. Simon the Zealot. Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer. These people have entered the threshold. They are in the state of liminality. They could go home and they could be out of this forever and go back to their lives, but it's over where they can wait for this unexpected future to arrive. This is their waiting period. This is their period of deciding, of firming themselves up to be committed to what's ahead, to wait for the Spirit that's promised. This is their threshold and they pray. These men pray constantly in prayer, together in prayer, joined through prayer, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with Jesus' brothers. These are remarkable verses because of what they do and what they don't do. Because these guys do not rush out and try to plan uh, how they are going to do this ministry to get to the ends of the earth. They don't start with theory. They don't start with printing banners. They don't start by um, knocking on doors and recruiting people. They don't, they don't just go home and put a movie on and hope that this all goes away tomorrow. They don't drown themselves in their sorrows. They don't distract themselves with their work. They stay in this uncomfortable place. It's a place we find ourselves in this year. There's so much that's uncertain about our futures and different than the world that we had imagined for 2020 and beyond. We are in this constant state of liminality right now in our world, and everyone's feeling it. Everyone's feeling it. It is draining us. It is causing us to become more politically embroiled and bitter with each other than before. We are stressed to the max because we don't know what the future holds. And a lot of us are control freaks, even if we won't admit it. And we're being forced to stay in this threshold place. And so today for you and for me, this is so simple but profound. They joined together constantly in prayer. They don't rush ahead. They wait for God's timing. They don't go home. They wait with God and each other. And they join constantly together in prayer. It becomes the mortar that holds them together. 
They are the living stones being built into this new building on Christ the foundation. And the prayers that they offer are gluing and holding them together. This is why in Acts chapter 4, when some of these men are drugged in front of the court and they are told not to preach about Jesus and they're treated wrongly, that when they are released and they get back to their own people, and they reported everything that had happened, they pray to God, and they pray like this, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and his anointed one. Indeed, they pray this, indeed, Herod. And Pilate met together with Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Do you hear it? Sovereign Lord, you decided before this should happen. They know that when they enter, when they enter into the threshold, that this is because God has called them here for the moment. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Oh, man, to sit with them for 30 minutes and hear prayers like that, to be ushered into this place, this threshold, this, this place of liminality where Jesus has said to you, you know your life ahead is not what you thought it was going to be, but I'm sovereign and I've sent you to this moment so that in prayer you would be joined together with your brothers and sisters and made strong and that you would trust that I'm with you in the in-between space and taking you beyond where I am going to lead you out. This is our opportunity in 2020. This is our opportunity this week as we envision the mission in the world that God has put us on as we give our money and as we know that next year might not have mission trips the way this year didn't have mission trips. And our involvement, our engagement in, in the church life is not going to be what we thought it might be exactly that we are in this threshold with Jesus and with the Spirit and with the Father and with each other and in prayer and, and in the state of liminality. Where there is prayer, God's mission does not fail. Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, we come to you and we ask that you would reside and abide with us in our in-between places. There's so much transition in our world and even in our church right now. And Father, we pray that we would not become discouraged and go home. And that we would not rush ahead into places where you have not yet sent us and then forget our purposes there. But that we would stay with you in prayer in these threshold times and be joined together because we're people that pray together. Because when we come home from our Mount of Olive moments, and it's just time to wait a little longer, we are so easily distracted and discouraged. So be with us now. We throw ourselves on your mercy. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, and together the church says, Amen.